This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. And welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and boy, have I got a special episode for you today. I have Mr. CJ Graham, aka Jason Voorhees, coming onto the show. Um, he is, as most of you will know, is from Friday the 13th, Part 6, which is one of my fri- uh, favourite Fridays um, in the franchise. CJ, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. It's great to have yourself. It's great, great to have Jason Voorhees on, on, on Bite Size Cinema. Um, so how did this all start for you? How did you get the role of Jason? You know, I was one of those people that got lucky. Uh, you hear about stories of uh, people telling you that they're going to cast you for a movie and, you know, it never, never comes around. But I was actually the general manager of a nightclub, about a 15,000 square foot nightclub in Los Angeles. And I had a hypnotist on Thursday nights. And that hypnotist decided to bring in a uh, production company to shoot his show so he could put together a nice video for promotional purposes. It just happens that the company was called Real Effects, R-E-E-L Effects. And they happened to be the company that did all the special effects on Friday the 13th Part 4 with Ted White. So they told the hypnotist, why don't you do something with a scary scene where maybe Jason Voorhees comes through the screen and scare all the subjects on stage well they decided let's pick cj's big butt because he's about the same size as ted white yeah and uh the rest is history when i say that because i put the wardrobe on i came through the screen and they kept talking about well we're going to cast you for jason and yeah whatever uh lo and behold about two two and a half months later they gave me a call and i was down there meeting frank mancuso jr and the stunt coordinator and tom mclaughlin the writer director and uh guess what 35 years later, we're still talking about it. Wow. And was you familiar with the Jason character at this time? Or, because um, I know it's obviously quite a big franchise and a couple of movies has, has already come out before, before this film. Yeah, I, I was familiar with the project, the, the franchise itself. I wasn't like a total fan of it at that point. I was still uh, enjoying the universal horror movies, Black and Whites with Frankenstein and Dracula. Um, so this is really the 80s, six, 1978 is Halloween, and through the 80s, you know, uh, the movies are starting to come out. The uh, Fab Four, I call them, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to Leatherface, Jason, Friday, uh, you know, Michael Myers, and of course, Freddy Krueger. Yes. Uh, but you have to remember, in 1986, the number one movie was Top Gun with Tom Cruise. Wow. Yes, of course. So, you know, yeah, we had the top spot for a couple of weeks, yeah. but at the same time, when you've got that type of... A-listers and competition out there, you know, you fade. But here we are three decades later talking about it. So guess what? I think we've done pretty good. And what's good about this as well is it's it's quite unusual to get to number six in a franchise and it for to be good. But in this case, with Friday the 13th Part 6, and I know this because there's a lot of fans I know through podcasting, when you talk about Friday the 13th Part 6, they all say they love this movie. And I'm just going to turn back the um, clock now to the 90s, 
when you had a sort of teenage RJ watching TV in my bedroom. And it was the first Jason movie that I had actually watched. And I loved it. And I still love it today. And I'm not just saying that for, you know, for today's episode. Um, I was like, wow, is every Jason movie this fun? Because... Uh, you know, Jason does a 007 on us, you know, walks across the screen. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and it's yeah, just a Yeah, you know, um, I get to be... the Jason Part 6 was kind of the relaunching platform. Uh, Part 5 may have not been so successful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I get to be the first Jason that uh, walks across stage like James Bond. Yeah. Uh, first Jason that comes back to life like Frankenstein. Uh, first Jason that has a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Alice Cooper, doing the music. And hey, lo and behold, I get to wear a Batman utility belt. Exactly, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I did notice that as well. Um, and there's all there's a, there's a lot of kill scenes in this movie as well, wasn't there? For um, I think it's an 80, 90 minute movie, and I think it's about 18 kill scenes. That's a lot. Yeah, there's about 18 kills in it. Uh, the nice thing is, if you think about it, um, there are maybe three swear words in the entire movie, and yep. there's no nudity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really, there's a little bit of comedy spin to it, uh, which you can make some, you know, reference to what were you going to be when you grew up and things like that. But I think the actual thing was the actual, um, the way it was given that anybody of any age could enjoy it without being, oh my gosh, did you see that? Um, you have to remember back in the eighties, it was very difficult to get blood and gore on stage to begin with. So a lot of the scenes were cut back dramatically. Yeah. Uh, because too much blood. And you have to remember back in those days, everything was on a tape. And once it was cut and hit the floor, it was just swept up and dropped into garbage. Oh, right. Now, okay. Today, everything is digitalized, so you can go back and do a director's cut. Uh, you don't have that flexibility or that ability from a 1986 movie. So, as a, a working in a casino before doing the Jason role, how did you adapt to the Jason role? Did you re-watch the other movies to try and get an idea of how the Jason was moving and, you know, the choreography and stuff like that? Um, how did that adapt for you? Yeah, the interesting thing for me is, you know, I am still 6'3", 250, yeah. so I'm relatively larger than most people. Um, and my walk is just solid, firm. Uh, I do walk naturally. You know, I'd only been out of the military a few years, so I always have a a 30 inches all around march to me um and at the same time for me it was a, about being told what to do tom mclaughlin gave me a uh you know kind of a perimeter and wanted me to stay within the boundary of the perimeter but other than that it was like go for it yeah and for me it was very fortunate because i had no acting experience i had no stunt experience so everything we were doing was the first time for me so not only was it exciting but at the same time it, i had no preconceived uh, idea of how I was supposed to move or how I was supposed to act when I was being set on fire. Uh, everything was just more of a natural, hey, let's go for it and see what happens. Do you have a favorite kill scene out of the movie? Is there one that kind of stands out for you? Yeah, I still like the one with the sheriff. Um, no blood, no guts, just pure power. I mean, if you can imagine breaking somebody's back like that, um, that's pretty gruesome. I've got to admit, yeah, because I, I watched this film with my daughter and we, we 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 did laugh at that scene just where Jason just basically breaks him in two, doesn't he? The the poor old sheriff. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, also, there's another scene where you've there's the was it the the Winnebago scene as well where the girl's head gets pushed through as well. I thought that's pretty cool. 
Um, it's, it's not cool, yeah, but it is Darcy, cool. You know I, mean? I, I see Darcy a couple times a year at conventions like Tom Matthews and Tom McLaughlin. And, yeah. Uh, it's kind of nice to run into them because the, the movie has become so iconic uh, that, you know, there are, are, are thousands and thousands of legions of uh, people that are very dedicated to the Friday the 13th series. Um, it's very humbling experience for me. I had no idea that, again, 35 years later, we'd still be having this conversation. So um, there's a lot of great films out there right now that have done well. Uh, historically, we'll see how they do in 20, 30 years if they're still given that thumbs up, I think, as the Friday the 13th has been given. Uh, but I do wish them the best. But it really is a calculation unknown that, you know, here we are 35 years later and you know, seven-year-olds know who Jason is, yeah. as do 70-year-olds know who Jason is. Yeah, because as you said, for me, this is kind of like a golden age because I love the 80s. And I consider right. Friday the, I'll put Friday the 13th next to um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors next to Return of the Living Dead, which I know has also got um, Tom Matthews in. And he, he was incredibly good in this film as well. I quite, quite liked him as the protagonist. How did, you, how did you and Tom get on set? Was it, you know, still great. We I, I just saw Tom a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I think uh, maybe a month ago. Actually, we were in England. We were in Manchester. Oh yeah, I okay. come. Uh, <laughs> so we did a show over there. Tom McLaughlin, the writer director, was there with us. So yeah. I see uh, Tom and his wife Carla on a regular basis, at least once or twice a year. Same thing with Tom McLaughlin. Same thing with Alice Cooper. Wow, and I was just going to say about Alice Cooper. The other. F- you know, I can't compliment this film enough because I love the poster design. I love you as Jason. I, I love the beginning scene as well, where it's got a really sort of creepy sort of hammer, uh, uh, sort of like a universal monster type graveyard, which I think is fantastic. Um, and then, of course, you've got, like, say, the Alice Cooper soundtrack, which I think is amazing. I love it when you get to the end of the movie and you hear this Man Behind the Mars soundtrack roll. I think that's great. What was it like working with um, Alice Cooper? Because I'm all right in saying you was in the music video for that. Yeah, the nice thing about working with Alice Cooper is um, when I was young, like 1973, yeah. I was 16. And uh, my first concert I ever went to was Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare. Wow. Uh, when I was 16 years old. So the opportunity, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, 15 years later, give or take, and I'm doing a movie with him. Um, that's pretty amazing in which I get the opportunity to meet him firsthand. And then, of course, you know, I, I spent, I think I did two shows this past year with him mm-hmm. uh, that we did wardrobe and dressed up and took pictures with the fans. Uh, so I've been very fortunate. It's one of those iconic images that you had no idea Uh you know, I'll give an example. I always I use this as a good example. There's about 1.3, 1.4 billion people in India. And if you show them a picture of Tom Cruise, they'll all say Tom Cruise. Yeah. You show them a picture of C.J. Graham, they'll shrug their shoulders. Right. You show them a picture of Jason Voorhees and the hockey mask, they'll say Jason Voorhees. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so iconically, that hockey mask is just as noticeable yeah. as any of your A-listers because everybody knows that that mask represents Jason. So at the time, were you, were you, were you involved with this movie? And I gather you had a good time on set uh, making this film. Did you ever think, thirty-five years down the line, that you, there'd be such a big sort of fan base to what you know what you got today? Because I know the fans love you. 
you know, it's great. Now, humbly, I had no idea. That's what's, what's you know, very um, humbling to me is the yeah. fact that, you know, I wore a hockey mask. And if you would have asked any actor, actors back in those days, hey, we want you to play a part and wear a mask, they would have said, oh, no, 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 I don't, you know, I want my face to be seen. I, you know, didn't care one way or another. They were paying me to do a job, so I was in. The interesting now that if you take a look at the last, you know, five years, eight years, and you look at all of these people wearing masks now, and I'm talking not just Batman, but I'm talking about everybody else coming down the pike from the DC movies yeah, uh, to the Hulk. And they're all wearing prosthetics in one part of their film or another. And it isn't all about what they look like normally. It's the character they represent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I totally get that. Because I I reviewed um, Friday the 13th Part 6 on an earlier episode. And um, I was talking to my fellow podcast um, guest, uh, Dan Bone, who's also a fan of yours as well. He's from the podcast on Haunted Hill. And... Um, we actually said in that episode how you're exactly right. Even though you wear the mask, how it you how can I explain it? You can't you kind of take you kind of take possession of that character and make it your own. So it's like the the way Jason looks around. Do you know what I mean? It just we sort of commented on that. You know the sort of choreography and it, it's more about taking yeah. The sort of possession of the character making it work which it does in that film you know which is yeah you know. what you have to do is take ownership of it and yeah. you know when i did it um uh, regardless of the uh how the character was perceived at that moment the, the idea was to make sure that i owned the character mm -hmm. um and to to this date you know myself ken Derek mears uh kane hotter uh you know there's only about five or six of us out there that can honorably say that we wore the hockey mask in the Friday the 13th uh, franchise. And it is a, you know, billion dollar franchise. So yeah. how nice it is to be part of something that large worldwide, again, an honor at the same time, humbling, because you had no idea. 1986, you thought, oh, I'll go do this movie. They want to pay me for it. They're going to set me on fire. They're going to have me breathing on a regulator 20 feet underwater. Um, doing stunts and you don't think anything of it except hey when's my paycheck get here yeah and now we're still talking about it and the opportunities tom mclaughlin has now written another script mm -hmm. uh with hopes of getting it out there uh called jason never dies which will be a pre prelude to carrying from what part six to part seven in his mind would have been would you uh would you revisit the role again in the future? Would that be a possibility? Or Yeah, um, Tom McLaughlin has spoken on different podcasts about uh, re-engaging with me to do the film, and I've, he's asked me directly about it uh, on panels. Um, it's one of those things, you know, I retired about four years ago from running casino resorts. Up to that point, I never really had an opportunity to go back. I just can't quit a job uh, that I'm contracted in just to go do an eight-week movie and then... I don't have a job, so that didn't make logical sense. Uh, but now that I'm retired from running casino resorts, um, I live in Montana, um, I would entertain options, but I wanna make sure that I have to be able to deliver uh, a product as good, if not better than part six. Otherwise, I don't wanna fail myself and I don't wanna fail the fans to come yeah. back. Yeah, the cool part is, physically, I'm still 6'3", 250. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, when I was younger, I could tuck and roll pretty good. Now when I hit the ground, I go thump. 
So I got to make sure that I can do the stunts and I can get up, walk away from it. Not to mention I can give the power and the force that part six delivered in theoretically, which would be part 13. I would be too hard on yourself. I eh? see, Joe, you still look like you're in good shape. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, was, uh, did you um, did you manage to keep any of the props as well from from the movie? Is anything you managed to? Yeah, I have I I have two masks from the movie. Uh, I still have the opening mask from the James Bond, which is mounted on the wall in a box. And then maybe give or take 15 years ago, I sold one extra mask that I had. Again, I had no idea what the value of them was. Uh, not to mention from a collector's perspective, but I still have the one mask from the opening. Um, again, shadow box up in my office, and I've signed the inside of it, more or less given it to my son, who's about 26, and given him the opportunity that whatever he wants to do with it, when he's ready, he can do. And uh, what's your friend? I understand your friends with Kane Hodder as well. He went on to go and play Jason. Uh, do you guys make yeah, that quite regularly? Yeah, Keen and I talk on a regular basis. In fact, we just had a phone call maybe two weeks ago. There was a, a show that he was going to do a convention, and uh, he was unable to attend it. So he gave me a call to ask him if I would, you know, cover and go do the show for him because he didn't want to let the fans down because they expected a Jason to be there, and I did. So I talk to Keen on a regular basis. I see him at conventions periodically, and um, you know, we have a good time. We have fun with each other out there. I razz him; he razzes me. Uh, the same thing with. Uh, you know, the other Jasons, Derek Mears, great guy, uh, got married about three years ago. Uh, Ken, who, who played Jason versus Freddy, is in Vancouver, BC. Uh, and then you go right down the list to everybody that's still out there. Of course, we lost a couple of Jasons over the last five, six years. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Ari, you know, who played Jason in part one, is now yeah. a, a young man in his 40s, maybe his late, early 50s. And, you know, the rest just keep pumping along. Oh, it's great stuff, man. And um, the the convention stuff you do, so all the horror cons and stuff like that. How, 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 I mean, that must be a good time for you now, you know, sort of seeing all the fans. And I'd, I'd just like to say it's, thank you for coming on to the show today to talk to myself. And it's, I think it's just great what you do with the fans. Yeah, you know, the most important thing to me is the fans because we wouldn't be having this conversation without the fans. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people forget where they came from. And you got to remember the streets you walked down before you were opportunity to have successes like this with the Jason character. Um, I do what I can to play it forward. Uh, three weeks ago, I was in Camp Pendleton, which is a Marine base down in Southern California, signing autographs for the Marines for free. I went down there with eight by 10 colors and went to one of the mess halls all day long. And all I did was sign autographs and take selfies with the Marines for what they do. So. Um, those are just the type of things that you kind of want to do to give back in some cases. And then at the same time, like I said earlier in the show, very humbled to still be here and having this conversation. Yeah. No, well, thank you very much for coming on to the show today, um, CJ. Um, it's been great. I mean, to finally talk to you as well as a fan of, of Friday the 13th Part 6. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a wow factor, if I'm honest with you. Um, just before I close the show, now I promised... Um, one of my fellow co-hosts, Dan Bone, uh, from the podcast on Haunted Hill. He's actually got a tattoo of your Jason, uh, your Jason on him. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, would, would I be able to get you to sort of say hello to him on, on the show? He'd just love that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Dan, this is CJ Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, Part 6. 
understand you got a tattoo of me on your butt. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, buddy, thanks for getting the tattoo. We're stuck together forever. I got a couple too, if you notice. So, oh yeah, I kind of have a few tattoos myself. So, hey, Dan, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for being a fan, buddy. I appreciate it. CJ, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. You guys stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, look forward to seeing you next trip, okay? Okay, thank you, CJ. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode just as much as I did, but before I close the show, I would do a little bit of admin. I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows on there, including my other show, The Mystery Vault Podcast. And you can also find the show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, um, several other players if you type in Bite Size Cinema Podcast into Google. And if you want to contact me, I'm on Facebook. That's the best place to contact me if there's anything you want to comment on or if there's any films that you want me to review in the future. Um, so, as always, keep it bite sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.